Mikvahcalendar.com is your rabbinically approved personal guide to Torah to Mishpacha observance. Times and dates are automatically calculated and explained in English and Hebrew. Anywhere you are, sunrise and sunset are automatically adjusted. Receive email or text messages for important dates and times. May divine blessings of spiritual and material well-being continue to rain down and permeate your marriage and your home. Visit www.mikvahcalendar.com. That's M-I-K-V-A-H-C-A-L-E-N-D-A-R.com. Shalom and welcome to all you lovers of Hashem, His Torah, Israel, and the nations. I'm your co-host, Ray Patterson, and finally, Adam has decided to join us once again. Adam, welcome back. Well, Ray, thank you very much. It's great to be back. Melinda and I had a great time on our uh, honeymoon and the, the wedding and everything. You were at the wedding. It was a wonderful wedding. And- it really was. I don't know how much I've shared, if any, with our listeners, but uh, it was a fabulous wedding. I'd been to two kind of like, what do they call them, remarriages? Or right. they go, they do the vows, the vows again, yeah. but you know they're doing it under a hoopah, and it's, it's different. A commitment between uh, the already husband and wife to being no-hides and keeping the no-hide laws and, and getting married with that understanding or sure. remarried. So this was the first time I'd been to a wedding that involved an actual wedding. Somebody, you know, two people getting married for the first time. Right. So it was was very cool. I did tell the folks uh, last week that we're going to be coming back and that we're going to kind of easy into the show and, <laughs> you know, not be too difficult on you. And, of course, to uh, have an opportunity to, you know, share with everybody kind of what went on at the wedding and you know what you do on your honeymoon because being married especially for the first time it's a an, an adventure it's you know, they say on star trek go where no man has gone before <laughs> and it truly is isn't it it, it is it's quite an adventure <laughs> yes it's, you know going from being a, a very resolute and committed bachelor to being very resolutely and committed now married man it's like living on, on two different planets. Uh, instantaneously. Instantaneously. You you know, <laughs> before the wedding and then after the wedding, and you're kind of going, what strange soil have I set foot on? <laughs> he said lovingly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but Rabbi Kayim Richman, who's going to be joining us in a, an upcoming interview, for so, so that you folks will know, he'll be speaking on the temple and just what it means for non-Jews. But he was actually the rabbi that Melinda and Adam had married them yeah when we talked about you know when we were going to get married um we tried to time it with when rabbi richmond would probably be in the country we had a matchmaking episode with as a result of his wife right the right. in richmond <laughs> she she put us together and so of course you know because of our great admiration for the rabbi and he, he really is our, our rabbi we, we really wanted him to be the one to perform the wedding so we tried to schedule you know when, when, when he could be in town well it turns out that if it weren't for the wedding, maybe the rabbi wouldn't have come to the U.S. Uh, and so we had the added blessing that the rabbi just felt this was so important. He was so excited to do it that he made really a special trip to do it. And we were thrilled by that. It was a beautiful ceremony. He just did a, an incredible job. And, I, I mean, the, the tour he said was beautiful, and it was just amazing. The whole thing was just fantastic. And for me, I was honored that you asked me to be one of the witnesses. And it was fun for me because... Here I am. I've got a better than front row seat. 
I'm standing next to Rabbi Richmond and next to you and Melinda taking part in this joyous moment, number one, right. but number two, being able to be right next to Rabbi Richmond and learning sure. at the same time. I'm, I, you know, And I was thinking about that as it was going on. I was like, this is absolutely a blessing from Hashem. And then the setting that you chose, I mean, here we are on a huge ranch right. and we're down by this beautiful area by the river. There's cypress trees all over the place. I mean, the sun was out all day. Sure. And it was funny because it rained all day before. But it wasn't hot. It was very no, pleasant. exactly. Because yeah. you're down by the water. you got all these cypress trees. And just the setting was absolutely beautiful. It was really fun for me just personally to take part in your wedding yeah. because, you know, we go back a while now. Sure. And uh, Melinda's a, a, a fabulous lady. I, you'd be hard-pressed to find someone better for you. And to be, able to, <laughs> to be able to sit and listen to Rabbi Richmond teach at the same time, you know, I don't know that it gets any better than this. It, it, it was kind of <laughs> funny. He was he was doing such a great job teaching that, honestly, I forgot I was getting married. I was sitting there going, yeah, that's very what a, what a wonderful point. <laughs> and uh, it's kind of funny because uh, sometimes I, I get a little, little wrapped up in, in, in learning and whatever else. But I was carrying around about a stack of books. And what had happened, the car that my, my car that I came in had already been driven off by someone, and I hadn't had a chance to put the books up. But here I am walking around with, with a bunch of books in my hands, and Melinda's sister, Rochelle, goes, Adam, you're going on your honeymoon. Put those things up. So there was this kind of, there was this like, you know, you know maybe, maybe people think I'm a little too bookish sometimes, but the, the truth of the matter is I, I know what I was doing. You know, I, I know. You're walking around being you. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, wait a minute, you're not you anymore. You're right, going to be right. getting you're, married. You're getting married. You know? I was like, no, I know. I just don't know where to put these things. You know, But uh, you know, everything from start to finish was great. We've been planning it for like seven months. Funny thing, our entire relationship pre-marriage was about nine months. So that means that we dated and got engaged within about two months of us you know, meeting one another. Uh, which was really nice, you know. Mm-hmm. Looking back on it, you go, wow, two months really isn't that much time. But uh, it was just such a natural process for us going through the whole thing. Right. But um, we had uh, people from my side and from her side. The gang from Clean, they they came up there. In fact, uh, Tom and John were a couple of my hoopanim. Right. Uh, one of the more amusing things was that I had uh, begun, you know, inventing terms for things and put them in the program and whatnot. And Rabbi Richmond spent about half the wedding going, now, I just want to let you know that, you know, I, I, this, I, this is not a Hebrew word. This right. is something Adam's made up, and I have nothing to do with this, you know. I remember him uh, saying that, too, frequently. <laughs> frequently, <laughs> yeah. He's like, but, you know, I, I figure, you know, what do I do? I, I got to refer to people with, with certain things. Sure, I could go up. I could, I could refer to people as my groomsmen, but that's so boring. Why go with the boring? Why not make things a little bit more interesting and uh, give people a real handle for, for what's going on? So the guys holding the hoopas, at some point they were being referred to as hoopas. Hoopa guys, but that's not so great. It sounds like a moving company. The Hoopa guys, they'll move you for nineteen ninety five or less, you know. So I decided, you know what, I'll just make a I, I'm very fond of making up words, especially in Hebrew. So I called them my Hoopanim, which actually sounds like a very elite fighting force, you know. So now the Hoopanim, you know, and we can, you know, go out there. And then of course I had two other friends who were also groomsmen. They were my front row deuces because there are two of them. So there were a lot of elements to it, and thankfully Melinda was very patient, letting me uh, kind of <laughs> run amok a little bit, but not too much amok. I wanted to express my appreciation to the rabbi for coming all the way to Israel. I don't know if you were there at this time, but we had a very special ceremony where I, I, I you know, got up and I told everybody, you know, what, what a wonderful thing it was to have the rabbi there, and I, I played for him what I thought was a very sentimental and moving song. To oh yes, it. I was there for that. <laughs> 
I wish I hadn't been, but yes, I was there for that. <laughs> a pretty fly for a rabbi, I think, you know, by Weird Al Yankovic, really summarizes our great affection for the rabbi. And there would have to be a lot of affection in order to pull that one off. That's right, that's right. You know, uh, Melinda was also very surprised by uh, me playing that song because, uh, quite frankly, I was convinced that if I told her I was going to do it, she would have talked me out of it. So, as the old saying goes, sometimes it's easier to ask forgiveness than permission. <laughs> So. <laughs> well, you just you just hang on to that thought. Ed. <laughs> you may need it for future reference. Yeah, yeah, she kind of said the same thing. So uh, you know, but no, it was a great wedding, and I'm so glad you were there. And we had a wonderful honeymoon. Went to Fredericksburg, Texas, a little German town. Watched the bats rise from their their, their cave uh. one evening, and uh, did the whole tourist thing, and spent a bunch of money. And uh, yeah, we just had a lot of fun. We're back. We've been kind of settling into things, unpacking everything, uh, getting the house put together. So well, Adam, the last couple of weeks we've been running something that you missed. And I know you both wanted to be there, but obviously couldn't be there because you're on your honeymoon. Was the conference at uh, in Bruceville? Yeah, that's that's really hard for me to miss because they're always fun. Yeah, it's always great seeing people I haven't seen in a long time, and and, uh, and it was this time as well. Yeah. So we've been running some uh, of the interviews that I did out there. I, I was a speaker for you know one of the seven laws. I was lucky enough to do theft, not to commit theft. And, Good for you. Uh, so yeah, it was it was fun. And uh, while I was there, I had an opportunity to interview a number of the Noahides that were there. So we've been listening to that for the past couple of weeks, and I thought uh, we'd go ahead and wind that up this week because you're you know you're fresh back in the saddle, and so we want to be easy on you. So I thought we would go ahead and let the folks listen to a couple more interviews. Uh, one is with my former co-host. Jim Long, and another with Tom and Karen from the Colleen Group, who who you're well familiar with. Folks, we're going to go ahead and launch into the first of two interviews that will conclude our interviews from the VJRI 2009 conference. We're going to go ahead and launch into that interview right now. Well, my friends, I have to tell you that I am so pleased to bring these next two guests on board here at the conference These are near and dear friends of mine because when my wife and I first moved to Texas, these were close to the first group of people that we really met. And they helped us out with Texas and learning Texas. But more importantly, we were gathering together and doing lots of Torah study and uh, celebrating the Shabbat together. We actually got so into it, we started a local group called Central Texas Noahide Center. And from the there evolved this idea of Noahide nations. These fine folks, Tom and Karen Maitland, were there from the very beginning of Noahide nations when it was just an idea being talked about around the Shabbat table. Tom, Karen, thank you so much for coming on to the show today. Thank you for having us, Ray. It's a privilege. And I remember the concept of Noahide nations written on a napkin. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember if we were still moving in or why I didn't have paper, but uh, I remember that too. And boy, I'll, I'll tell you what, a lot has happened since that time. 
and I have to tell our listeners uh, so they fully appreciate how my heart feels for the, for the two of you, there were points where Noahide Nations was in trouble. I mean, at one point we, we lost computers. You know, just, I mean, things happen just, just in life. And when something like this happened, you two stepped up to the plate when it counted the most. If it hadn't have been for your Zedeka, your loving kindness, your Hesed, no Hyde Nations might not be here. So you guys are just wonderful in, in that regard. But but on Karen's and Mar's side, we saw the mitzvahs that Noahide Nations could bring forth. And we truly believed in that and believed in your capabilities of bringing it forth. And look where it's come today. I mean, it's just it's just a marvelous teaching tool for the world. Well, and, and the real beautiful thing now is here we are sitting on the Noahide Nations radio show on Israel National Radio. <laughs> I mean, what more can you say? It's like, okay, Hashem, what's next? I yeah. mean, this is a cool ride. The folks at Arus 7 are just really pushing for getting Torah out to humanity. And here it is, a, a, an Orthodox Jewish organization that has never had a show by a couple of Gentiles on before, and here we are as Noahide Nations. It's a beautiful thing. And there again, that speaks volumes for Noahide Nations. And as you always said, Hashem will open the door if we just do it. Exactly. And you had the, the gumption and the insight to do it. So Karen and I owe a great gratitude to you. Well, uh, thank you. And, and again, without all of us working together, it never would have gotten off the ground. And it's fun to sit back and look at where we are today as a result of that napkin. Where I mean, we can go. Yes, and yeah. th- that's even better. Where yes. can we go from here? Look what we've done. Where can we go from here? And then look at the people at this conference. Right. Many of us have been together for years. Right. In fact, speaking of the conference, I know there's been, Anita was telling me, it's like this is the 19th one. How many of you guys actually been coming to? I went to the first uh, Vendel Jones conference in 2000. Wow. And, yeah, mine was the year after, 2001. Okay. So this would be the eighth, well, seventh it, one, because last year they had, you know, you had right, the conference. Right, We did the world conference, that's mm-hmm. right. Uh, so that's cool. I mean, you've seen a number of speakers then. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I learned a lot to Torah in that time. Phenomenal it, speakers. And, and this one uh, doesn't seem to be any different. I mean, everyone I've, I've talked to and we've had on the air has just loved it. Uh, the teachings are just incredible. Incredible and timely. And I'm exciting to, excited to hear what the rabbis are going to say this evening. But uh, today we heard Wayne Simpson speak. He's got a new book out about Noah. Absolutely. I'm so excited. I'm looking forward to that, too. In fact, uh, we were talking over dinner, and uh, it looks like we're going to be able to get him on board to do uh, an interview, maybe even two, depending on you know what this book is all about. I'm still waiting to get my hands on it, and it sounds like it's just what Noahides have needed for a long, long time. Yes. I think it's going to move us forward and give us more information uh, that we desperately need. I agree. And really come to know who our forefather really was. Exactly. You know, it's one of the things that uh, being a Noahide, that's who we look to is, is Noah. But there's not a whole lot really 
talked about, uh, even in the Torah. Sure, we know he walked with God. He, he was righteous in his generations and basically saved all of mankind as a result of it. But you don't really get into the, the deeper details. Uh, there's other areas like Midrash, Talmud, where you find out that he was actually responsible for the invention of farming implements. But, and, and, and the exciting thing about Wayne's new book is it's going to talk about after the flood. Right. How he how he basically settled uh, civilization and, and the governments and the foundation. So and, it's, it's real exciting. And he has, has his hands on documents. <clears throat> that have not been read for 350 years. That's so, amazing. Yes. I'm telling you, we are getting ready to hear some exciting stuff, and we're probably going to waylay him and get him back down to the conference room because he didn't get to present everything, and he's going to talk about giants in the land, and he's got pictures. and. Oh, my gosh. So we've got some exciting uh, well, information here. It'll be fun. Uh, I'm really hoping that we can arrange a, a, an interview or two with him because I have a feeling uh, knowing what I know about Wayne, the book's going to be very thorough, very well done, and it's going to take some time to get through. Yes. So I'm looking forward. If we can get one in, great, two, oh, Baruch Hashem. It, it will be a wonderful thing. Uh, as far as the conference, uh, you know, there's a lot of, I've seen a lot of new faces. You guys too? I mean. Yes, uh, a large group of Noahites uh, out of Waco. I don't know all of them. I've been to that uh, meeting several times, mm-hmm. but certainly I don't know everybody, but a large group out of Waco. Right. Uh, I noticed that uh, we had a lot of the same thing in Florida, which was quite different because they came from all over. All over I mean, Michigan. they were coming from overseas, so yeah. that was uh, pretty neat, too. But it's nice to, to come to you know, a regional kind of setting and still seeing new faces mm-hmm. pop up. In fact, uh, we just, uh, in fact, I had him on, on the air earlier, uh, uh, Doug Adams. He lives within 20 miles of where Mary and I live. How I mean, Mary works in the same town the guy lives in. So That's it's cool. like, oh, my gosh, and he's looking to get together with people and, and start studying Torah. So, you know, there we go. So coming to th- events like this, critical. If you can make it, get there. Oh, absolutely. Well, and Karen's always said, don't overlook small beginnings because, you know, well, small beginnings. I'll go back to Nohide Nation. I'll go back to Texas Central Nohide Center, which blossomed into Nohide Nation. So right. we can't ever overlook the small beginnings. And as long as you keep doing what Hashem asks you to do, you can't help but win the day. Yes. Because if you don't put yourself in a position to receive the blessing, you can't hold anyone responsible but yourself. And, you know, let's face it, we're all together through some tough, difficult times making Central Texas work, making No High Nations work, but we kept doing. To sit back and and ponder and remember and revisit that time when we first started talking about it to where we are today, it is the hand of Hashem. It It absolutely is. is. And we just worked in partnership with Him. Yeah. And I think the exciting thing is connecting with other groups and other Noahides around the country and around the nation because at the uh, Florida conference, we met some really awesome people from Europe. Right. I mean, just really cool. Sue, right. remember Sue? Sue, uh, and the Pam. couple from California. Right, right. Uh, really, really awesome Noahides. And how they survive on their own in a country, they don't know another Noahide, right. and yet they somehow found this little radio. Uh, this Noahide Nations and find their way to the conference. Right. 
it is miraculous. It is miraculous. You know, and we always call them miracles because of things that we never expect. But, you know, Hashem is just, I can just see it and I just up there grinning. You know, he just, he loves what's going on because here are his children finding each other. In, in the darkness, as Tovia Singer said in, in his lecture, uh, what he finds miraculous about us is that we found Hashem, the God of Israel, in the darkness while it is exactly. yet still dark. Exactly. So it's, it's really uh, a, a lot of fun. And you guys being part of it, I mean, every time we see each other, I, I realize more and more how much I miss you because, you know, since Mary and I have left, we don't come to Kabbalah Shabbat on, on Fridays anymore. And by the way, how is that going? You guys still doing that? Oh, absolutely. It, it, it would not be a complete week if we did not celebrate Shabbat. I hear that. Every and, day we say our four little, more days till Shabbat, yeah. three more days till Shabbat. Our little group doesn't seem to grow, but thank God, you know, we still have, I guess you can call it the core group that still gets together on Friday nights and on Saturday for Torah study. Right. So uh, it's it's and a slow really process. And you really never know, Tom, who's yeah. going to be coming in that house. It, no. Well, we have we a, never know who's going to We have a young lady that we gave a Torah to two years ago. And, you know, I thought, well, I don't know if this is going to work or not. But we gave it to her, and she came to a tour study at your house a couple times. Okay. Uh, Crystal. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, anyway, she shows back up. And she's came, she's came, yeah, to two or three or maybe four Shabbat dinners and tour study. And I bought her so, the counting of the Omer, so now she's going through the counting of the Omer. She goes, nothing in my life has ever made a difference like Torah and counting of the Omer. So that, that proves that Torah said, is this life. Is, she said, I've never changed so much in my whole life. <laughs> and, and that's a fact. Oh. And that's the beauty of Torah. I mean, if, you, if you're seeking from your heart, with all your heart, it cannot help but change you as, as a person, as a human being, as a creation of Hashem. Yep. It's inevitable. Uh, if you don't pursue it from that angle, from your heart, forget about it. You're not going to change. You may have all the knowledge in the world. And here she's probably wondering, gosh, I dropped off the earth for two years. I mean, I could have been two years doing this already. But now she's there. That's great news. Oh, it, that is it, great it, news. It's, it's, you know, and there's been other Oh, there's young been others that, that have come, come in and in. out. Yeah. Well, uh, but, you know, what I'd like to say, since we're on the radio, if anybody's ever in Central Texas, they're welcome to come to our house for a Shabbat dinner or Torah study any week. There you go. It's open. You you heard it right here, folks. <laughs> we believe in Father Abraham, hospitality. his hospitality. He and Sarah, they had their tent flaps open, and that's what Tom and I do. We open the doors to whoever wants to come well great and folks you probably remember this but i'm gonna do a little housekeeping anyway you can always contact us here and i'll be happy to forward your message to tom and karen but just send it to us here at noahide at israelnationalradio.com we'll make sure that that gets forwarded on to uh, tom and karen and it looks like people are kind of filtering out for the next set of speakers and so we must and go i don't want to hold you guys up because they've all been good so i appreciate you all coming on and uh, from the depths of my heart that i can't even articulate well thank you for all of you place in our heart we've always we've we formed a special kinship from the beginning uh, we have yeah that's true 
And that's through Hashem. Yes, it is. The common ground that we all have. Right. And, I, and Baruch Hashem, I, I thank him and forever will. Yes. And there will be a lot of other people who will thank him for Noahide Nations, for the yes. work that we're doing, and that you are such a, uh, we're such an instrumental part of. It well, couldn't have happened without you. So thank you. Well, so we thank you. There we go. Thank so you. hang on, folks. We're moving forward. <laughs> moving. We'll be right back. Thank you. If you love Israel and you're coming to the Holy Land, you need Israel's best tour guide. See Israel like you've never seen it before. Mayor Eisenman will take you around the country for an educational and fun experience. Each tourist gets a personally designed tour based on his preferences. The land of the Bible, the land of the Tanakh, comes alive in the hands of an energetic and experienced tour guide. Visit IsraelByMayor.com. That's IsraelByMayor, M-E-I-R, or email him directly at IsraelByMayor at gmail.com. Camp Moshevav Wild Rose is excited to announce the opening of our new Aquapark Adventure Playground. Featuring a giant water slide, trampoline, and much more. A great tradition of fun and friendship for over 70 years in a great religious Zionist program. We offer a $1,000 new camper incentive. Space is still available for campers in grades 3 to 10. Call us at 847-674-9733 or visit moshevavwildrose.org. Welcome back, everybody. We appreciate you sticking around for the second half of this Noahide Nation show. And this will be the final wrap on the VJRI Conference 2009, in which I did some uh, quite a few interviews, actually, with many Noahides who are out there. And this last one is going to be with a friend of yours and mine, uh, Mr. Jim Long. Well, we're still here at the Noahide Conference for Vendel Jones Research Institute 2009, and I have a friend that happens to be a friend of all of you out there. It's my former co-host and friend and partner in crime, Jim Long. I hope we're still friends. We're still friends. <laughs> you left me hanging here, but I, I still definitely call you a friend. It would take Thank a you. lot more than that. Thank you. Jim, how that. you doing? I appreciate I, coming by. I'm wonderful. I, I'm having a real good time. It's, it's you know, uh, I, I don't know if your other uh, interviewees have expressed this same thing. If they haven't, I, I'll add to it. You know, these, the wonderful thing about these conferences is that they feel like family reunions, you know. Oh, yeah. And, and the other beauty of it is not only a family reunion, there's some new faces. Yeah. And there always is. Mm-hmm. And there's always this question uh, about, is, you know, where is the Noahide movement? Is, is, is it growing? And, and how do you know it's growing? Well, you come to an event like this and you see some new faces, like, oh, my gosh, it is growing. Well, it's, it's you know, to use the parallel again of the family, it's, uh, you know, you can either have a family that's not flourishing and, and, and dying out. But if we, if we can characterize this as a family, it is one that's growing because, you know, the uh, in fact, just before I came to the conference, um, I know you're on Facebook. And, right, and I, right. I really appreciate what uh, the, the kind of social networking tool this is. And it's, it's for like grownups. Yes. You know, and, and <laughs> young, uh, young, young chil- children like grownups. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's uh, I don't know. I, I sometimes don't have time, but in fact, uh, I know that uh, I've got to get on there and change my status because my <laughs> the last entry I was able to make because we are out in the country, folks. By right. the way, and the la- I was uh, uh, prepping for Noahide Conference, 
whenever people read that today, you know, we're obviously the conference is underway. But the thing is, just mentioning that on Facebook, it was, it was so encouraging, the responses I got from all of my Facebook friends. And even apparently it must have impacted others because I suddenly, my, my Facebook friends actually went up. Really? Because of mentioning the conference. And I, and I got this one gentleman I have to tell you about. He's, uh, I can't remember his last name. His first name is Daniele. He's from Italy. He's from Rome. Okay. And he, he sent me a, a little Be My Facebook friend. And uh, so I, I accepted the friendship. And he, he keeps writing me these wonderfully excited emails. And I don't know whether to ascribe it to the fact that it's something about being Italian. And, you know, and, and how they're, because, you know, because you can almost see his hands and you can see right. his excitement. Because, because uh, Daniele writes in, he literally writes in exclamation points you know jim long is so good to right. two exclamation points so he's very and it's it's very i hear they're they're not just warm-blooded they are hot-blooded well he's he's extra, and it's you get these endearing emails from from Daniele, and when he heard about the conference he just got excited and i'm probably going to have to direct him to you in fact i was you know we're talking about this on the air i didn't mention this since i saw you at the conference uh, he very much wants to do something as a sort of a noahide rep in in italy in rome He'd like to be an arm of a Noahide organization okay. yeah. or something. So yeah. he's very serious about it. Okay. And um, that and a lady from uh, from Yerushalayim, her name is Suzanne. She is, uh, her, her father was Jewish. Her mother was not. Mm-hmm. So obviously most of our listeners understand the right. dynamic there. That she's not Jewish. Right. Um, because that comes to the mother. So she actually said she, she was raised Protestant. Hmm. And and she says, but she's drawn towards uh, being a Noahide. And of course, my question to her was, well, you live in Israel, and I, I've seen some of her other posts. And she's she's one of those wonderful uh, people who is not Jewish, who lives in Israel, but who is pro Israel. Right. You know, she's like a, right. she's right. all about hanging on to the land and not yes. dividing it up and all that. And I said, you know, I, why don't you convert? And she's like, well, I don't know. And uh, she said, you know, she talked about the fact that she didn't know if she'd be comfortable being uh, a Jew because of because of the mitzvot mm-hmm. and I you know Noahides all understand that so that's two of the kind of ones that stick out that are kind of remarkable about some of the responses when people heard about the conference to be able to come down here with those you know thinking about those people has been very encouraging well I was just uh, thinking that this conference has been going on for a number of years in fact I was talking to uh, Anita yesterday, we did an interview, and she told me this was the 19th year that they were doing it, and they're getting ready to celebrate number 20 next year. Anita, you Mrs. Jones. Mrs. Jones, yeah, Anita Mrs. Jones. Vendel Jones the, yeah. Mrs. Vendel Jones, right. as some might say. This is a remarkable thing. What, when did you get involved with uh, uh, Vendel? When was the first conference you, you came to? Um, you know what? I don't. I, I know the year that that I met Vendel and and uh, began to work with him as a volunteer. Right. Uh, was uh, I believe ninety three, and and of course everybody knows the story. For those of you who don't, I won't tell the whole thing. But quickly, I just I met him through the medium of radio. Right. He was uh, he was right. he was a he was a guest on a show that I was not a host of. I was simply the producer of the show, and I was also the program director. And I met him through through broadcast radio. He was a guest, and I was fascinated by his work. Later began to volunteer. was blessed uh, in so many ways to be able to go on an archaeological dig with him in 1994, about a year later. And, of course, that I, I regard that as a blessing because that was my first full-time exposure to being in Eretz Israel right. and being exposed to my Jewish friends who, who lived in Israel, many 
who who were who are uh, Orthodox Jews or observant Jews. Mm-hmm. So the first conference, though, I'm trying to remember, it, it was it was going to fall around ninety four, ninety five, maybe. I don't even quote me on that, but I remember. Well, uh, it's, been, it's been more than a few. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and I know that you've graciously emceed a great many of them, as you are this one. I've been able to sit in on the majority of the, the lectures and just find them fascinating, especially the one that uh, Rabbi Avenir did oh, uh, today. Man. I mean, we were talking about it afterwards. We need to publish this work. Well, the it, thing, that, you know, Rabbi Avenir, Rabbi Zvi Avenir, I, I remember when he first began to come to our conferences as a guest speaker, and he was, uh, the material was always strong, mm-hmm. but, uh, and, and, and nothing, I don't mean this in any negative way, uh, he, he was, uh, I don't think he'd been doing it for a long time, I don't think he'd been public speaking, and he seemed, well, let me say this about him, he is he has grown as a, as a public speaker, yes. his his confidence level, and and of course that's what the material from the Torah does for you. Right. His his confidence level and his expression and the way he is able to deliver this material is just a quantum leap. And everybody today, as you just said, was mesmerized by the material. Uh, and he, and and I don't know if you told uh, your listeners previously this, but I mean he he delivers it as if it's Noah right. talking. That's the form he's format in a, in he's a using. First person, it's beautiful. Yeah. absolutely beautiful. And it has an amazing impact and and i think the thing that i found most amazing about it is is the fact that he made the the people of the the antediluvian figures the people before the flood he made them come alive yes not that you really not that you forgive what they did but you you understand okay i know why they did what they were doing right and, and not even sympathize with them but right. it's, it's like understanding because many of them we would we would characterize as criminals but then but then the righteous that were before the flood we also understand it wasn't all that simple for them. I think the most amazing part of the, of the narrative was the relationship between Noah and Naamah, his yes, wife. Yes. That's fascinating. And I'm just going to say that because I want to whet everybody's appetite so that they'll get his books and tapes and all that. Because, right. uh, Which, by the way, they are on the Noahide Nation site in case good. anyone's I'm, interested. I don't know if I've ever mentioned uh, Rabbi Zvi Avenir. Yeah. Uh, he's been teaching on Noahide Nations for, gosh, since the beginning. Yeah. Uh, uh, like three years, I think. Uh, well, I, I didn't, a, you know, I class, didn't, I uh, didn't do that as, as a as a uh, plug for your website. Well, I did. Okay, good. <laughs> well, it always works that way. Product placement, but uh, no, I I did it. I did it because I didn't realize. I, I knew he was a teacher, but I didn't right. realize he actually. In fact, I did not know until I came to the conference that uh, that he had actually put a lot of this material in book form. Oh, I see. I yeah, was waiting they, for him. Yeah, too. we're uh, selling them and have been selling them on our on our in our store. Yeah, wonderful. And people find it you know fascinating. They uh, order uh, CDs of his classes and they follow right along with the books that he's done. Yeah, uh, it's it turned out to be phenomenal. I mean, it really has. You know, I know I, I've heard him do the same story in the first person at a previous conference, and I just shared with him that for some reason, for whatever reason, today had more impact on me than I ever could have imagined. I mean, I, I told him I just had chills running up and down my spine. I just like I, I'd heard it for the very first time, and it sunk in so deep, I, I couldn't contain. The, the chills I was feeling. That's why at the end of it, I asked him, "When does the movie when come is, out? When does the movie come out?" Well, <laughs> well, what does he say? Well, it's it's in the Torah. Just read the Torah. Yeah, and I I mean I have to I have to admit I had the exact same thought because you I heard you say that and I laughed because because during the break I had approached him and said, uh, you know, listening to this is 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 like watching a a movie. 
Mm-hmm. I said it just the, the the dramatic elements of of these these pre-flood uh, characters and who who were real flesh and blood people. Yes. And to hear you describe them in those terms and the the emotions that drove them and even the physical descriptions. Yes. One of the things that interested me is the fact that I have always and it's probably not even a radical theory. I'm I'm sure I'm not the first one that thought of this, but I've always believed that the primary uh, figures of Greek and Roman mythology, who you can see who appear in other forms in other uh, mythologies of the Near East and the mm-hmm. Middle East. Right. You know, they all, for instance, uh, Baal uh, shows up as Apollo in the Greek. So there, right. it's the same personages. And the reason I'm bringing all this up is because to hear uh, Rabbi Avner talk about these the, the certain people, you go, you know what? This must have been where these mythological characters came from. Oh, definitely. Definitely. In fact, if it weren't for Rabbi Avenir, I would never have given the depth of thought to those characters until now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to, to hear him do it, it really signifies and, and gives us deeper definition of their, their proximity to Hashem, mm-hmm. so close in creation, and at the same time having gone wrong seemingly so bad and how that could have happened. Uh, ultimately leading to the flood. Yeah, well, they, these uh, people these people had more of an apprehension, had more of a grasp yes. of probably how the universe really worked. Right. They probably had a better grasp of the nature of the Creator than than we that that we may finally be coming to. It was something very real and very alive. Yet, as you pointed out, and, and as he as he teaches you in this in this lesson, it, because of free will, they still were led astray. You right. Know, you know, and I'm talking about the people. Like Enosh and, yes. and these other people, yes. and whereas of course Noah, he chose he chose the right path. I think you're right. I mean, it didn't it didn't uh, for, there was something that maybe call it the spirit of Hashem, God willing, something was at work today where we were able to take in and receive these things in a way that we never had before. Right. Even though we've heard it before. Oh gosh, and read it how many times? I, yeah. I mean, countless times. And today was just so totally different. It absolutely has to be published. I would love to see a, a, a film. I don't know how it's going to happen. Yeah. And, you know, with the help of Hashem only, something like that would happen. But I think it needs to get out there. People need to experience this. Not just Noahites, but all people. Because they've all heard the story of Noah's Ark. Yeah. But I can sit here and honestly say, as of today... You have heard nothing. Right. You you know nothing. Yeah. You only think you've heard the story of Noah's Ark. Yeah. And, and, it, and this is the kind of thing that uh, I think everybody knows that can be accomplished these days thanks to, to CGI and things like that. I mean, you really... So if anybody's listening, I mean, I, I've gone this route before. I've tried to get things started in the, in the feature film world, and mm-hmm. it, it, is, it is almost insurmountable. But today, for the first time in a long time, I thought, boy, I would like to make that into a movie. And, and you know, the thing is, I don't want people to get the idea that we're talking about science fiction here. No. You know, we're talking about Rami Avener's depiction of the of the flood generation and what led them to the flood. What it does, I think, for all of us is is that we begin to understand how much mercy Hashem really did show the pre-flood world. Because the thing that, that you and I and other Noahides and, and of course, of course, our friends in, in the Jewish realm, in the observant Jewish realm, have tried to put to rest this horrible idea of the wrathful God of the Old Testament. Right. The thing that, that happens when you get into Torah is that when you study Torah, you understand that there's no such being. There is, there is just the Creator who, who loves and has mercy, but also because... 
Hashem has mercy, Hashem also judges. Right. Because because if it wasn't, if Hashem did not judge, the righteous would also perish. Exactly. And in fact, that is such a beautiful story in and of itself, because we know if it had been Elohim, a man would have been destroyed in, in a heartbeat, mm-hmm. with nobody making it through. Yeah. Instead, here we see the balance. Mm-hmm. Mercy was brought into the judgment, and it was actually Hashem, which signifies the merciful attribute that made the decision mm-hmm. to destroy mankind and yet preserve mankind in the same decision which is which it's remarkable again because the torah is instruction <laughs> it it's it shows us first of all how we are made in the image of the creator because if you don't think about this with just a little bit of depth you would think that rabbi avatar was talking about two different beings and he's not right no not at all he's talking he's talking about in the same way that that all of us all of our listeners can think about and relate the fact that okay i have an intuitive creative side right but then i also have a side of me that I use that is mathematic, that knows that 2 plus 2 equals 4, that this is right and this is wrong. And I think those of us who, who thank God, had a, a good family upbringing, we saw that in our mother and our father. <laughs> we, saw that, that we saw that mom was the one, you know, dad was the one that get the belt. Right, or whatever you know, <laughs> or at least threatened to, threatened to hang it up on a high wall. Yeah. He was the one that you, when your dad gets home, you know, it, there's going to be you know what to pay. Right. And yet, even though she would say that, and he was the one that was supposed to mete out this punishment, it was mom, the merciful aspect of the family, right. that that said, "Well, okay." She says, "Wait, this is there. He did something wrong. He should be punished, but." Uh, this time, we either, you know, you either got punished or you didn't, according right. to the judgment passed down. And I hope our listeners appreciate thank, what I'm trying yeah, to say Thank here. God for balance. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's what it's all about, because we understand that we have, because we have those dual aspects to us, even though we're one person, right. that our Creator has an aspect that wherever, and it's, and it's, of course, appropriate to the event that either judgment will be used or mercy will be used. But in the final analysis, both will be employed. Yes, and we also need to remember that, you know, Jim and I are talking about a particular event. The event of the flood, actually the process of that judgment, took a period of ten generations. It was uh, ten generations from Adam to Noah. Mm -hmm. So this was a long progression, and then once the decision had been made, it really hadn't even been made yet. It was still 120 years off. Right. You you want to talk about the merciful one, and it makes my head hurt sometimes, remembering back on, on how some religions, which will remain nameless, utilize this to sell their book of goods. Yeah. You know, oh, back in the Old Testament, it's the evil God. It's the, the bad the God. The wrathful God. Oh, yes. I know. Please. <laughs> when you come to a full understanding of it, you realize that there is probably no greater demonstration of mercy than that. Mm-hmm. But you have to do the homework to be able to get to that conclusion because truth doesn't always come easy. And you have to, to do the homework, which we've done. I know many of our listeners have done. And probably just sitting here having this conversation, many have learned a little something today. So, you know, the I, um, how, how are we on time, by the way? I, I don't know. Sure. I'm, I'm looking at you oh. because I know you're <laughs> emceeing the, the whole shebang here. What, what's the schedule look like? Well, I was, I was more interested in not running out of time on your show because ah, I had one, worry thing, about that. I, one thing I was going to relate. Because I will have to go in here in a second because we're getting ready to kick off with another uh, segment of the live event here. Right. Uh, here in Central, at this beautiful Jewish day camp here in Central Texas. The, um, uh, it's like I was talking about last night, the thing that I always think about that, that I don't think people often do. There is an echo, if you will, 
there is a reflection in the story of Sodom and Gomorrah mm-hmm. with the story of the flood. And, and it's interesting because Hashem, this is one of the few times that, that Hashem destroys an entire city. Right. And in fact, there's even more than just one. Well, we, so, we, we, we know it is yeah, Sodom yeah. and Gomorrah, but it was actually yeah, more than one. We gave it that label, but the point right. is it was an entire area that was right. literally wiped off the face of the earth. And it didn't happen often, but the, the time it happened previous to that was, of course, the flood of Noah. And I, and I thought there was this interesting relationship in that when uh, Avraham, the great patriarch, is, is sort of coming in and, and, and pleading with the Creator and saying, well, look, if you can find this many right. righteous people, would you spare it? And, and Hashem says, okay, yeah, fine. Are there any, and Avraham is like, okay, well, i got to default to a smaller number. Right. And he stops at 10. And if they had found 10 righteous, you know, and this is, this is outside of Lot and his family. Mm-hmm. If they found 10 righteous, they would have spared, Hashem would have spared. The and, entire area. The entire, because if he, if he didn't, their horrible, their, their sins, would have, their depravity would have infected the entire region and gone on from there. Mm-hmm. And, and so... It's there. That's an analogy to what happened in the flood. In fact, and I brought out the point that there were eight human beings right. that went into that ark. Maybe Hashem would have saved the pre-flood war. Had there been two had, more? Had there been two more? Yeah. So I and that was something that never occurred to me until last night that, that I was talking about the the particular event. And it's like, oh my goodness, there were only eight. He couldn't find ten in Sodom and Gomorrah. If it just been that, just that little, and to me, that's mercy. Right. I, the whole world would have, you know. Oh, yeah. And uh, just to kind of give you a, a pat on the back, I thought your your talk on Amalek and Egypt was excellent. Appreciate it. And that. I really think you need to pursue that because I think you're on to something there. I, I really do. And it will be very interesting. And you even talked about it last night. Who is Amalek today? Yeah. You know, this is a this is a big question. Everybody likes to speculate, mm-hmm. but if we get somebody like you with your research capabilities coming up with some very plausible answers, which I think you've already gotten there, yeah. uh, but I know you you're going to do a lot more research to make this come together. Right. And I really want I uh, just want to give you a pat on the back. It was a great presentation, and you need to keep moving forward with that. I appreciate and, that. And uh, hopefully, come out with a, another book and in, in DVD to, to share it with the world. Well, I I, th- I thought about the. The reason I did it is because uh, because I've lectured so much in the subject of the riddle, and and you know what happened in Egypt. Somebody always asks the same question: Well, weren't the Hyksos? Weren't they the the Israelites? And I said, No. You know what? I finally got to respond to this because it doesn't work. It's it's uh, there's a, Hashem's telling you something. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's time to figure this one out right. because if you don't, I'm just going to keep asking the question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. So. I appreciate that. Yeah. But, Jim, I know you need to scoot. you got uh, a you know, big day coming up uh, ahead of you. In fact, we're halfway through it, and I know it's getting bigger still. So yeah. I appreciate you stopping by, taking a minute to say hey to the gang again. Uh-huh. Uh, I know they remember you, and uh, we all miss you, of course. But okay. I want to thank you for stopping by and, and saying hello. Appreciate that very much. All righty. You take care. We'll see you on the conference floor. Okay. All righty. Thanks. Well, folks, there you have it, the final interview from the VJRI 2009 conference. So we're going to go ahead and zip this one up and put it in the can. And I want to thank you for being here with us for this uh, hour. Uh, We know that you can listen to just about anything. So we do appreciate you listening to us here on Noahide Nations on Israel National Radio. And with Adam coming back, uh, we've got a number of really cool shows coming up. We've got Wayne Simpson, who's the author of the new book, 
uh, Noah, founder of Civilizations. We've also got uh, Rabbi Kayim Richman will be visiting us. As you already know, he's the international director of the Temple Institute and is also a co-host of the Temple Talk Show here on Israel National Radio. And also we've got the producers from the Third Jihad uh, that will be joining us. So we've got a lot of great things coming up, and uh, we certainly hope you continue to tune in to the Noahide Nation show. And always remember to keep, send your emails in to us. Let us know what you're thinking and, and how you're feeling to uh, Noahide at IsraelNationalRadio.com. And we'll see you next week. And in the meantime, always look to the heavens, my friends, for your help from Hashem, because I assure you, He's always looking out for you. Elon White's a certified electrician, and what I like about it is he only uses Jewish labor. This time we went for a professional because I said, enough, I want somebody who's going to get it done right. It was so nice to have somebody who spoke English. And he came in, he put the ceiling fan in. We were very, very happy with him. Need an electrician? Jerusalem, Gush Etzion, and throughout Israel for installations of Shabbos clocks, fans, indoor and outdoor lighting, and much, much more. Email E-L-A-N-W-H-I-T-E at gmail.com. That's White at gmail.com. I got to get in shape. I got to call Michael Berzin at Jerusalem Fitness. 054-625-0269. Shalom. You've reached Michael Berzin, Jerusalem Fitness. You've taken the first steps toward health and wellness. Please leave us a message and we will get back to you to schedule your free consultation. That's Michael Berzin, Jerusalem Fitness, for classes, personal trainers, and more on Pierre Koenig Street in Jerusalem. Call Jerusalem Fitness at 054-625-0269.